Welcome to the AIPT Movies Podcast with your hosts, Alex Harris. And with them, as always, are Tim Garner and Matt Paul. This will be the straw that breaks the camel's back. Yeah. <laughs> it will be. Uh, uh, uh. Anyway, hello and welcome to the AIPT Movies Podcast. I'm Alex Harris. I'm an independent writer slash director. You may know me from my movies Twin Sidious, Jane Wick, or Kill Yourself Crew, but right now I'm excited to start working on a dream project of mine, Ninja 4 Into the Ninjaverse. In the thrilling continuation to the, I'm assuming, acclaimed Ninja Trilogy, we combine all of the greatest stories from all over the Ninjaverse. Enter the Ninja, Exit the Ninja, Revenge of the Ninja, Ninja Vendetta, Ninja 3 The Domination, Flashdance, American Ninja, Asian American Ninja, Ninja Assassin, Assassin Ninja, Three Ninjas Kick Back, Surf Ninjas, Skate Ninjas, Banana Boat Ninjas, Teenage Mutant Ninja Ninjas, almost too many ninjas to mention. I got, well, you know, I'm flabbergasted. I'm surprised you could get the rights to all of those. Oh, I, I definitely can't, but any that don't get cleared, we'll just say they were there, but so stealthy and well hidden, you couldn't see them. Hey, you know, it works for me. Uh, hi, uh, I'm Tim Gardner, man in a suit actor, contortionist, mime, green suit guy, uh, you should know me from my role as Harry in the upcoming Harry the Hendersons intellectual property refresh. But thanks to my arch nemesis and terrible suit actor Wilson Montanero, I've been blacklisted and they're supposedly working on a version of the story that doesn't even have Harry in it. Oh, damn. What are you doing instead? I, <laughs> I don't know. Something about them taking a, in a lost and tortured pop star who they nurse back to health as he learns the power of love or something stupid like that. Oh, no way. They're using my pitch for Harry Styles and the Hendersons? <laughs> that was your idea, Matt? Can can you talk to the producers and help me get back in it? I, I mean, I'll wear Harry Styles' costume if I have to. I mean, I could do mocap for his bell bottoms or something. <laughs> Tim, for the last time, I'm not involved in Hollywood in any way. And I'm certainly not a script doctor, okay? Anyway, hello listeners, I'm Matt Paul, and keep it under your hat, but I'm actually a script doctor. <laughs> Speaking of doctors, I can't wait for you to see Jared Leto as Dr. Michael Morbius in the Morbius movie. Have you guys seen any of the early reactions that have come out? I haven't read any of them, but I'm assuming they're all positive. Did you doctor any of that script? Alex, for the last time, I'm not a script doctor, and no, I did not doctor that script at all. Okay, sorry. I didn't need to doctor it because it's actually completely unchanged from my original draft. <laughs> I just didn't want to put my name on it and make all the other writers in Hollywood jealous. Wow, Matt. If Leto's role as Morbius is anything like his role as the Joker, I'm sure we're all in for a real treat. Anyway, once again, in an affront to my attempts to behave like I'm not emotionally destroyed inside, uh, we have some corrections from the previous episode. First, you may have noticed a slight change in audio quality when we started discussing Robocop 2. This is because the Robocop 2 discussion was actually recorded about a month ago as part of another episode, but was removed when it went on longer than planned. We decided to save it for later, ideally for a good reason, like if we wanted to take a little break. Instead, we ended up having to use it because I was fighting off a psychotic break. Speaking of, if you heard any weird background noises during the rest of the previous episode, that was for me fighting to keep my body warm and functional while my body was finally shutting down after a week and a half of shock and poor sleep, which also explains why I sounded less dead inside during the Robocop 2 segment. 
Finally, I have no explanation for the following verbal fumbles in the previous episode. At one point, I referred to Michael Mann's adaptation of Red Dragon as Manned Hunter, which I guess could be a movie about someone who hunts especially manly-looking hands. Uh, I also definitely said Rainbow instead of Rambo, and Tob instead of Hob while talking about the annoying kid from Robocop 2. That's okay. <laughs> I think I also said Finch's Cut instead of Fincher's Cut at one point while discussing Alien 3, and I have no idea what happened with any of those, nor do I have any good jokes about them. Uh, another correction, or maybe in this case, um, welcome to Definition Corner, maybe? Uh, while discussing Alien 3... Alex and I claimed that they fridged Hicks and Newt. Uh, in case anyone listening isn't familiar with the term fridging, this is a word that was coined by comic book writer Gail Simone in reference to Green Lantern's uh, Kyle Rayner finding his girlfriend's dead body in his fridge. Uh, as Google puts it, fridging is the practice of killing off or hurting a minor character in order to motivate or torture a main character. Just like my dreams of playing Harry in the Harry and the Henderson's brand resurrection have been fridged by that monster, Wilson Montanero. Oh God. (laughs) (laughs) Jesus Christ. Finally, we briefly discussed the differences between the theatrical cut of alien three and David Fincher's assembly cut. The differences include Charles dance, finding Ripley washed up on the beach instead of in her cryo tube. The alien coming from an oxen instead of a dog. Longer scenes with deeper character development. More references to the previous movie. The character Gallic being more of a secondary antagonist. Assisting the alien which he believes he has a spiritual connection to. And finally, we don't see a chestburster, queen or not, come out of Ripley as she falls into the furnace. Also, while I was briefly disconnected from the internet during the previous episode, and yes, Alex managed to edit around that mistake fairly cleanly, and I'm as surprised as you are. Hey! During my absence, Tim and Alex struggled to remember the names of the moons from Aliens and Prometheus. LV-426 is the moon in Aliens, and Tim eventually got right. LV-223 is the moon from Prometheus, and both of them orbit the planet Galpamos. Geez, I'm going to start calling you guys Newt and Jonesy the cat because I feel like I'm carrying both of you. (laughs) Ouch. That's it for corrections. Let's move on to some news. Chris Pratt is going to be the voice of Garfield in an upcoming movie. Can he not? Why is he Mario? Why is he Garfield? I don't know, guys. He just loves pasta. (laughs) (laughs) Who was that? Who's that mysterious voice? (laughs) First Mario and now this? What beloved character is Pratt going to ruin next? Andy Dwyer from Parks and Rec? But seriously, have these producers been frozen since the day before Jurassic World came out? Ooh. Halloween Kills had a record-setting premiere for NBC's streaming service Peacock. Fittingly, much like everyone's spooky holiday decorations, Peacock will now collect dust in the dark until the next Halloween. Marvel Studios doesn't believe a sequel to The Eternals is necessary, which is movie talk for we don't think it would make any money. (laughs) Keanu Reeves, the best bro in Hollywood, gifted custom Rolex watches to the John Wick 4 stunt team. In related news, Bruce Willis gifted his entire stunt team a pile of medical bills, three new hips, and one trip to the DMV because Bruce didn't feel like going. (laughs) Face-off and hard-boiled director John Woo is returning to action with Silent Night, a dialogue-free action movie about a father avenging his son's death, starring the Suicide Squad's Joel Kinnaman. Supposedly, the movie is so quiet, you'll be able to hear Alex's boner while he's watching it. 
Knock, knock. Seriously, I'm like already excited. <laughs> Jake Gyllenhaal has signed on to star in Guy Ritchie's action thriller The Interpreter. In the movie, Gyllenhaal's character is hired to translate everything Brad Pitt said in Snatch. A trailer for Lightyear, the Toy Story spinoff that focuses on Buzz Lightyear's origin story, has been released. Turns out when Disney execs were asked how far they should stretch this profitable IP, they responded, to infinity and beyond. (laughs) (laughs) Liam Neeson is set to play a retired assassin in the upcoming movie, In the Land of Saints and Sinners. Apparently, when Neeson said he was going to retire from action movies, he actually meant that due to his age, he's primarily going to play retirees going forward. The Northman, the Viking thriller from The Witch and The Lighthouse director Robert Eggers, has been pushed back a few weeks to April 22nd, 2022. Unfortunately, due to its Nordic roots, the movie's beard will be huge by the time it comes out. James Wan has stated that the proposed but now cancelled Aquaman spinoff, The Trench, was going to be a Black Manta movie. I gotta say, we may need Gabriel from Malignant to run backwards and put this back on the schedule. I mean, we got a third season of Titans instead of this? Zack Snyder revealed that the title for his Army of the Dead sequel is Planet of the Dead. It's about a dead world full of people who refuse to admit it's over. Kinda like the Snyderverse. Right ain't over yet. Stealer of Scenes and Ben Affleck's Heart. <laughs> Ana de Armas is in talks to star in a John Wick spinoff called Ballerina. The bad news is that Chris Pratt is providing her voice. <laughs> Why won't he stop? Uh, <laughs> In an interview, Bill Murray may have accidentally disclosed that he's in the third Ant-Man movie, Ant-Man and the Wasp, Quantumania. Now, some people think he may have been confused and was talking about another movie, such as Ghostbusters Afterlife. Bill Murray is honestly not sure. I mean, he just knows he saw Paul Rudd, uh, he showed up when he felt like it, said some lines that may or may not have been in the script, and, you know, was asleep in his trailer by noon. Succession actor Brian Cox released an autobiography that features some juicy trash talk about some of his former co-stars. We were actually able to acquire leaked audio of Brian Cox dictating his thoughts to a typist for the book. Let's check out the audio now. I wouldn't describe Michael as my favorite, but he's Michael Caine, an institution, and being an institution will always beat having range. Oh wow, going for Caine, bold. Here's one that's going around about Johnny Depp. Personable, though I'm sure he is, is so overblown, so overrated. I mean, Edward Scissorhands, let's face it. If you come on with hands like that and pale, sad face makeup, you don't have to do anything. And he did it. And subsequently, he's done even less. Savage. Let's see what else he said. I don't know if Ben Affleck has a phoenix tattoo, or if the phoenix tattoo has him. I mean, that's a good question, to be fair. Oh, it looks like we have one more. Chris Pratt is the peacock of actors. Thanks, but no thanks. Oh, well, that's it for news. Let's move on to new releases. Uh, So I'm going to introduce him now in case he has anything to add about any of the new releases. But we actually have a guest this week. Exciting. My good friend and incredibly gifted stuntman, Ryan Donnelly. Ryan Donnelly is the hardest working stuntman in the biz. Uh, sorry, I read that wrong. He's the hardest working stuntman in the biz. Uh, you probably don't know him from anything, unfortunately, because most of his scenes get cut due to his stunts going horribly wrong. Like the time he broke his ankle walking up some stairs as Steven Seagal's chest down stunt double and driven to kill. 
unfortunately, Ryan has to join us via Zoom due to him currently recovering in a full body cast. Welcome to the show, Ryan. Uh, what dangerous stunt were you trying to pull off this time? Oh, nothing. I was standing between Steven, Steven Seagal and the craft service table on the set of Above the Law 2. <laughs> oh, man. Did Steven Seagal kick your ass? No. He tripped and fell on me. <laughs> uh, all right. New in theaters only is The Eternals. The saga of the Eternals, a race of immortal, immortal beings who lived on Earth and shaped its history and civilizations. But we're never there for all the other shit that happened. Um, the epic superhero film based on the Marvel Comics race of the same name is the 26th film in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. The film was directed by Chloe Zhao, who directed No Man Land, and wrote the sc- screenplay with Patrick Burley, Ryan Furpo, and Kaz Furpo. Those are the strangest names. Um, it stars an ensemble cast including Gemma Chan, Richard Madden, Kumail Nanjiani, Brian Tyree Henry, Barry Kogan, Kit Harrington, Salma Hayek, and Angelina Jolie. I'm, like, indifferent to this movie. Ragingly indifferent. <laughs> yeah, I don't really... I don't know. Something about the outfits. Yeah. I don't like the outfits. I think Warner Brothers made a good choice putting this, putting Dune against Eternals, it sounds like. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and and they're 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 similar movies in a lot of ways, you know. What? Like this this it seems like the Eternals is trying to be Marvel's like Dune, in some way. <laughs> what? Well, like you know, it's like epic, and it's it's not as flashy as the other Marvel movies, you know. And 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 like if there were ever to be a Marvel movie that like had a a spaceship landing very slowly, it would be it would be the Eternals, you know what I mean? You just can never let that spaceship's landing slowly <laughs> seem <laughs> Give it the reference it deserves, Alex. <laughs> Ever since 2001 Space Odyssey, it's the, it's like the it's like the main way to tell people this is important, you know? <laughs> Large object do be slow, grandiose, <laughs> communicated, understood, thank you. <laughs> New in theaters only, but premiering on Netflix November 12th, is Red Notice. An Interpol agent tracks the world's most wanted art thief. The action comedy is written and directed by Ross and Marshall Thurber, who directed Dodgeball and played the Quiznos guy in Easy A. The film stars Dwayne Johnson, who you may know from the voodoo doll in Vin Diesel's bedside table, Ryan Reynolds, and Gal Gadot. I was originally really interested in that movie, and I don't care anymore for some reason <laughs> don't think i no i agree with you and i it the latest trailer i saw was uh, i think last week and something about watching that trailer just killed the momentum for me yeah completely i don't i can't i haven't quite put my finger on why yet perhaps it was a generic style of advertisement in terms of like who cut this damn trailer maybe that's what killed it for me but no oh well. yeah, maybe I feel like I've gotten really tired of Dwayne Johnson. I yeah. feel like he's, it's been a while since he's done anything that I thought was like good. And I feel like it's so obvious he has almost no sense of humor about himself anymore. That could be. Just kind of kills it for me. Yeah. Name for the bushes. <laughs> New in theaters only is Spencer during her Christmas holidays with the royal family at the. What? <laughs> Why are you making me say this? I don't know. I don't always read through these parts. Sorry. Sandringham. Sandringham. Sandringham estate (laughs) in Norfolk, England. Diana decides to leave her marriage with Prince Charles. The biographical psychological drama is directed by Pablo Lorraine and written by Stephen Knight, 
The film stars Kristen Stewart, Jack Farthing, Timothy Spall, the manager from that Mark Wahlberg movie, Rockstar, <laughs> Sean Harris, the bad guy from the last two Mission Impossible movies, and Sally Hawkins. I gotta be honest with you, I was uh, seeing Spencer, I'm like, oh, is this the sequel to Mark Wahlberg's Spencer for Hire film? Oh from my <laughs> god, I forgot about that movie. Everyone demanded a sequel to that, I'm shocked we haven't gotten one yet. <laughs> New in theaters and on VOD is The Beta Test. A married Hollywood agent receives a mysterious letter for an anonymous sexual encounter and becomes ensnared in a sinister world of lying, infidelity, and digital data. The horror thriller is written and directed by Jim Cummings and P.J. McCabe, who also star in the movie, along Virginia Newcomb and Jesse Barr. Um, I don't know if you... I didn't, I didn't hear about this movie at all until I was, like, looking up new releases, and the guy who made it has, has been kind of, like, up and coming. He made this movie Thunder Road that I never saw in The Wolf of Snow Howled. Ryan, did you see that? I didn't see it. I heard good things, though. Yeah. Have you guys seen anything from this? No. No. I, I, again, this is the beta test came out of nowhere for me. Yeah. It, I, it's, it looks... This guy, like, uh, Jim Cummings, is interesting. He, he seems to be doing this kind of, like, kind of satirical, dark humor kind of movies, because The Wolf of Snow Howl is like a werewolf movie of some variety, but it's it seems very strange. Um, but I heard it's really good, so I'm I I watched a trailer for this, and I'm I'm definitely curious about it. Probably gonna check out the Werewolves of Snow Howl now. To be honest with you, yeah. Um, new on Netflix after a limited theatrical release is The Harder They Fall. When an outlaw discovers his enemy is being released from prison, he reunites his gang to seek revenge in this western. Uh, the movie is directed by James Samuel, who co-wrote the screenplay with Boaz Yakin. Uh, the film stars Kang the Conqueror, Jonathan Majors, Bloodsport, Idris Elba, Domino, Zazie Beetz, and Sister Knight, Regina King. Uh, also, Delroy Lindo, Lakeith Stanfield, and former Conan O'Brien writer Dion Cole. Although a fictional film, its characters are based on real cowboys, lawmen, and outlaws of the 19th century American West, and is one of the few westerns with a primarily African-American cast. Yeah, I was, I've got to be honest with you, I saw the trailer, and I'm like, yeah, I'll freaking watch this. This looks cool. Yeah. Yeah. It does look good. Goes go for a good western. Yeah. New in theaters and on VOD is Ida Red. Ida Red Walker may not survive her terminal illness while incarcerated for armed robbery. She turns to her son Wyatt for one last job and a chance to regain her freedom. The crime drama is written and directed by John Swab and stars Melissa Leo, Frank Grillo, and Josh Hartnett. You know, it's uh. It's funny. I, I don't know if you guys saw the trailer for this, but it's it, it's definitely mostly Josh Hartnett. So it's kind of funny that he's like the last listed. And like, I don't know if you guys know this about him, but he like was kind of up and coming, you know, a while ago, obviously. Oh, yeah. And then he got kind of like disgusted with the Hollywood kind of thing and then backed away. And I'm watching the trailer for this. And I, I really feel like if he had stuck around, he'd probably be getting a lot of the roles that like Brad Pitt could have gotten in recent years. He's, he's, his, his vibe has changed a lot, I would say, from when he was like a teen star. Oh, I remember him when he was, when he was up and coming back in the day. That people were like, he's the new Harrison Ford. <laughs> oh, yeah, I remember that. <laughs> yeah. And they put and, him in a movie with Harrison Ford, and it failed horribly. <laughs> yeah. Was truth. that like Hollywood? Um, Hollywood Homicide? Yeah. Hollywood Homicide. That's right. I, that's right. He, I, I, it's funny. I, I never really like got him. I, you know, I never really saw what other people saw in him. But watching that trailer, I, I for Ida Red, I, I think I finally get it. I feel like he, um, I feel like he could be on the, you know, the 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 beginning of a good 
resurgence based on what I saw. Old power to him. It's just too bad he had to work with Frank Grillo. I know. <laughs> I know. Hopefully he didn't a, put up with any shit. I was going to say, I might put a damper on things for Josh Hartnett again. He might retract again into the... <laughs> yeah, he's like, never fucking mind. I don't. If I have to work with people like Frank Grillo, I'm all set. All right. That's it for new releases, which means it's time for What Did We Watch This Week? Before we get into the main discussion, did anyone finish watching Dune? Yeah, and that ship finally landed. <laughs> I'm still waiting for it to land. <laughs> HBO Max has been on in a constant loop for the last week, and it's still going. <laughs> I have like 20 minutes left, and I haven't. I've been watching it in like chunks, and I haven't gotten to finish it. I do like it. I just like don't. I I, I don't. I'm not emotionally invested, and I'm having trouble keeping track of who people are and why they're fighting. Okay, and here, okay. Don't worry. What you're feeling is normal. Okay. <laughs> um, because I saw the uh, before I ever read Dune, I saw Lynch's movie, and right. that was hard to keep track of who the hell was what and convoluted like politicking of some feudal far flung <laughs> feudal system in the future. Right. So that's normal. Everyone is confused. Even reading okay. the book, you, you're like, wait. So. Thufer Highwad is who, and Piter is, is who, and okay, okay, okay. So yes, I think as good as this movie is, I do think it is very unfriendly to anybody who is not familiar with any of it, to be honest, because it's also the first half of the book, and it's just a lot of setup. Yeah, yeah, and like, I don't know, like, have you got, Matt, did you watch it? I haven't seen it yet. I, I want to. Um, Ryan, did you watch it? I haven't watched it yet. As soon as people say human computers, I'm lost. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I, I just, there's a, there's a part involving like, I'll say a double cross and one of the more friendly double crosses I've ever seen. Um, and I, I like could not understand what was being like a character is explaining something to someone. And I was like, what the fuck is he saying? Like, I, I couldn't like make it out and I didn't understand the plan. And then when the friendly part of the double cross takes place, I'm like, okay. And it was cool and effective, but I was confused. And also there's a part where some, there's like, you know, some bad guys invade, you know, the good guys, I guess they are. Um, and at one point, the suits that the bad guys are wearing look so much like the suits the good guys wear. And I was confused. I was like, wait, who are these people? And 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 then I was like, wait, no, those are the bad guys. And, you know, just, just I I just, I feel like this would be a, I, I feel like I would love this movie if I had read the book. Like, I feel like I would be like, this movie is fucking sick if I had read the book. But without it, I'm, I'm terribly confused and i think that's because if you have read the book you have the context for this whole first half right yeah do again denny calling it dune part one <laughs> that motherfucker and he waited yes. like i don't remember seeing part one on like any it's, of the promotional materials until not, the movie came out because it's and not. then all, like you the movie starts and it's like dune part one like, like it's like <laughs> denny just being like eat a dick the rest of you it's just part one <laughs> I kind of wish he waited until the, like, to be continued or whatever at the end to just be like, just kidding. Oh, you mean with the, with the it's just the beginning type of thing. <laughs> <laughs> Joke's on you. I have nine hours worth of footage. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, so, yeah, I mean, I'm excited for the second half of this first book adaptation because maybe it'll help. I, then I think people have to marathon a viewing. 
they'll have to do yeah. like a supercut to really get some kind of uh, form of context for really what's going on because right so yeah like they don't even explain what the hell a mentat is you just see thufer and his eyes go white and you're like yes. oh yeah he did an incredibly well they don't say they don't even call him a mentat you don't even know what's going on you're just like well this guy can do this thing and he suddenly has highly accurate equations yeah there's a lot of stuff that they expect you to just like pick up along the way which is like again i respect it but sure. it's confusing Right. And as a fan, I was just like, oh, yay. You know, like, right. Like, I kept thinking, like, man, I'd probably be fucking pumped about this stuff if I understood it. Yeah. But yeah, it does leave a lot of people in the dark. All that being said, I enjoyed it. Um, but thank you for. See, that's what I figured. Like, if you're if you're a fan, it's probably like a really exciting watch, I would say. It is. But uh, yeah. I, but I'm also very always keenly interested to hear other folks' opinion. <laughs> but again, I, I, I kind of respect that he's making, he made this movie like for the fans of it and, and didn't water it down. As much as it like might have helped me, I don't think it would have made it a better movie if he had watered it down. Yeah. You know? And I think Denny adding the more, making uh, like the Sadrukar, the uh, the Emperor's Guard, the throat singing, like that's their primary language is throat oh, singing. Oh, yeah. And that's not anywhere in the books. That's just Denny being like, look, I got to make these guys more interesting other than like, oh, they're badass military uniform, the emperor, <laughs> you know, like what's got to make it more interesting because the whole thing about Dune is the, is just humanity is unique and interesting and special all by itself. So let's celebrate that. So, you know, they took a, so let's have a whole culture based off of throat singing and how that warps their vocal cords. And just, I was just, I think it's unique. It, 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 I mean, it is a very, it, it does feel very unique, and it's, it's as usual, a beautiful, because of all of Denny's movies are beautiful, it's a beautiful movie. And it was shot by Grieg, I think it's called Grieg Frazier, who is also the cinematographer in that upcoming Batman movie, so mm-hmm. that's pretty exciting. But yeah, it, it, it's, it's interesting, and I will say, it, it, the creepiest Skellen Skazgard has ever been. Yes. And, and I mean, like, topping Goodwill Hunting at this point, I would say. Remember his scarves? Remember how creepy he was with his scarves? He was really into scarves in that movie. (laughs) Well, I think we should stop talking about Dune now. (laughs) Yes, yes, yes. Um, Now, we were going to talk about this two weeks ago when it was more topical, but I also watched Halloween Kills. The goal was for Ryan and I to have a more in-depth discussion about the Halloween franchise and the new movie. It seems a little silly now, but whatever. Did either of you, uh, Tim and Matt, did you guys watch Halloween Kills? Uh, I just know that evil has to die tonight. Yes, it really does, apparently. <laughs> again and again. Again and again. 30, 30 years ago, three people died, fellas. <laughs> <laughs> Ryan, the, the so the Halloween franchise is a very varied and messy series. Uh, sure is. Like, and a lot of people like different movies and exclude others. Like, Where are you when it comes to the Halloween movies, and what did you think of Halloween Kills? Uh... So, much like you, I was much bigger fan of Friday the 13th growing up, and it took me a long yeah. time to get into the Halloween series. And because of that, I liked Halloween 3 a lot more <laughs> than the actual Michael Myers movies in the in the franchise. Good for you. Uh, but yeah, as soon as I grew up and I started like paying more attention to the film and more more of the artistry side of it, it's like, oh, John Carpenter killed it on Halloween. Right, right. Way ahead of its time, using very early on in Steadicam, right off the bat in the first first shots of the movie yeah. uh so yeah obviously the first one's way up there uh i have a soft spot for uh, the jamie lloyd movies yeah i i 
you know, other than Danielle Harris herself, I, I did like, I never cared about four, five, and six. And well, I'll give Paul Rudd a little, you know, a little, <laughs> a little thing there. But like, because I never saw them growing up. I, I had only really seen like one and two when I was a kid. And then I like years later, someone was like, "Oh, you haven't seen four, five, and six? And I like rented all of them and watched them with with someone. And and I was like, "What the fuck is <laughs> happening? Like, why? What is this dude in black? What is this whole thing with like?" Like, uh, like this weird, like Freemason kind the, the, of like, side, side plot. Yeah, like gonna, I was like, what the fuck is happening? They're just gonna throw it in towards the end of the series. It's fine. Yeah, it's so fucking weird. <laughs> and I, I, I've never really been able to get into four, five, four through six, especially because between and and I and you guys have definitely heard me say this a hundred times, so I apologize. But like between you know two and four, a ton of Friday the Thirteenth movies came out. So now. Michael Myers had to compete with his biggest, you know, most famous copy of himself. And all of a sudden he's more Jason-y and all of a sudden he's more inhuman. And he's like, you know, he survives being exploded (laughs) in part two. And like, he's like crushing heads and all this shit. And it's just so fucking weird. And I, I've, I've never been it like, and the mask in part four is the worst fucking mask I've like ever seen. It's it's so awful looking. And when I, and and like this season on this year for on AMC when they did their like Halloween uh, marathon, the mask in part four is the one they use in the graphic <laughs> for it. And I'm like that mask of all of the masks you could use. And then I think there's also a part in four where he's blonde all of a sudden. Yeah, that sounds right. Like near the end. Yeah, yeah it's it's so f- like like what the I I just. Yeah, I, I've never been able, like, like this is the thing that's interesting about the series because you have so many different, people have so many different opinions of it. Like, some people are like, to me, the series is like, one, two, H2O. <laughs> you know, like, I'm I'm kind of in that camp. Like, I, like to me, the Halloween series is kind of one, two, and H2O. Uh, Halloween Resurrection, I could give two shits about. Terrible. Um, and, uh, <laughs> and, like, four through six, I, you know, like, Susie likes four through six a lot, but I, I, me, I'm like, oh, yeah, just those campy, stupid horror movies. They're fine in my in my opinion. Yeah, yeah, they're fine. They're fine. And then like, and then you have the Rob Zombie movies, which should have been Friday the Thirteenth movies. Like that actually, like him, he would have done a much better job of making Friday Thirteenth series than Halloween. Like he forces all this weird slackjawed yokel stuff into the series, which would have fit kind of in in Friday the Thirteenth. Um, and then all of a sudden, they're like, oh no, wait. We're going to go back to part one. <laughs> and then we have this new series. But, yeah. So so you, you have a soft spot for four through six. Yeah. Uh, yeah, the Rob Zombie ones. Uh, that's when people first saw that Rob Zombie had a quote-unquote style. And it did not work <laughs> out in his favor for the rest of his career. It doesn't seem like. No. <laughs> it did not. And it's... Uh, what 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 is your opinion on, like, the newer ones? The, the like, Danny McBride series as i'll call it <laughs> the danny mcbride saga <laughs> uh i enjoyed uh ddg i i'm not gonna call him that ever again uh but uh i enjoyed the first one uh it, again as much like i feel about this one it has some good things and a lot of like what why a lot of why moments yeah i i like i was mixed on the first one um i I am incredibly confused about this one. 
Like, I, I'm so confused about Halloween Kills. Like, nothing happens. No. It, it's, it's such a, it's such a, like, in, it's such an intermission between the first one and Halloween Kills. I'm, I mean, Halloween Ends, I'm guessing. That's what it feels like. You know, like, the ads make it seem like it's a big, like, thing for Laurie Strode, and she's in a fucking hospital bed the entire time. Yeah. At one point, she gets up, and she's like, oh, <laughs> and then she's just, like, back in the hospital bed. I thought they were going to do this whole thing, like, typical action heroes, where it's like, you're injured, and she's just like, you know. Oh, whatever and instead she like walks out trips over something and is like Ugh! and then she's back in the thing and then they make such a big deal about her but then the whole thing is like michael myers doesn't actually care about laurie strode because the whole thing is now they're not related which is such a weird thing if they're not going to be related why bring back jamie lee curtis yeah. like what's her role if she's just a like unrelated bystander who happened to be there for that first movie it's such a like i don't understand the process the thought process of this movie and and they also seem to imply that like that he gets he's like gets power by killing people in an you know in one of the newest versions of his story because michael myers has no consistent backstory for what his deal is so he's filling his health bar like in a video game because a lot of this movie does feel like a video game (laughs) It is like that. It is like, I would have appreciated like a coin sound effect every time he (laughs) killed someone. A little bar at the top of the screen just keeps filling and filling. (laughs) Like every time he kills someone, it's the sound of Mario getting a mushroom (laughs) or an extra life or something like that. It's just so confusing. And then you have all these weird parts that were clearly just like written by Danny McBride for fun. Like the little John, big John scene. It just goes on for so long. And, and that couple, like, it took me so long to realize that this they're supposed to be a couple, these two guys, because they have absolutely no chemistry. Like, rem- nothing remotely resembling romantic chemistry. I, for a while, for the, for the whole half of it, I thought they were roommates. <laughs> and then they, they, they have Kyle Richards, uh, Real Housewives star, who played Lindsay Wallace in the original movie. They have her back now that she's all famous for being a reality star. And I was like, oh, that's cool. And they don't fucking kill her. <laughs> They, they keep her alive, and I, like, I'm not saying that, like, I'm not saying that, like, you know, fuck Kyle Richards, but it just, like, I feel like that would have been a really satisfying thing for people to watch this, like, famous reality star to get killed, just like they did with Paris Hilton and House of Wax, you know? Like, she lives? It's, like, what, is she gonna be, like, a big deal in the next one? It's just a bizarre thing, and then they confuse this little bald guy with Michael Myers. That was so awful. Like, <laughs> that entire, like, mob rule mania scene is like it, oh it, remind, it reminded me of a movie that did that much better which is the mist where like yeah um, the mob is like all right they don't understand what's going on they they're going crazy that makes sense right but in this movie they create a mob like uh uh anthony michael hall builds this mob to to go blindly murder some this giant maniac <laughs> they've seen his face like his face is across like apbs on, yeah. on tv and everything like they're well aware of what he looks like with a mask and without yeah. a mask. And said you get uh, Danny DeVito's stunt double from The Penguin. Let's go kill this guy. <laughs> he does look like Danny DeVito's stunt double. That's a good point. Uh, yeah, like, it, it. I just, I found the movie very unsatisfying and confusing. And my, probably my biggest pet peeve with the new series even though, like, there are a lot of cool visuals in it, and it's, like, well-lit and everything, um, is there's... I haven't seen people complain about this. It's the constant, unmotivated camera moves in these movies. It's in the first one, too. Like, because 
you know, like, it's one thing to move a camera for, like, information or, you know, for tension or whatever, but it, it just, like, the camera's constantly just, like, dollying to the side for, like, no reason. It's, like, these movies are shot like an episode of Felicity. <laughs> like, they're, they're just, like... It, it just, like, pulls me out of the movie. I remember in the first movie during the scene where, um, where, where Laurie Strode shows up at that dinner when she wasn't invited. It's just, like, the camera's just constantly moving to the side. And I'm like, what, what are you trying to accomplish? And they do it in this movie, too. And it fucking, like, just, like, pulls me out of the movie. It, like, like, tension and emotion is so important in a horror movie so like if you're gonna move a camera in a horror movie you really have to be like careful about it you have to know what you're doing and they do have these like cool old school zooms occasionally and like some cool shots but then like like the camera just like moving like sliding constantly it drives me fucking crazy and i haven't seen anyone else complain about it and i don't know why it doesn't drive anyone else insane (laughs) this movie is just so frenetic like there's so much energy going on like it doesn't you're not allowing Michael Myers to be like a, like an overbearing like menace in the background. Right. right. Like look at the first one. Like John Carpenter was so careful about when he moved the camera. Mm. You know, like there's like there's so many still shots in that movie, and like still shots help allow you to get less distracted by the camera and focus on what's happening in the scene. Like 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 unless someone's moving and the camera's moving with them, like in the like tracking shots or like the steady cam shots from the first movie, it's like why are you doing this? Like, it, it just, it's just like the first movie laid it all out for you for fuck's sake. Yeah. I just, I, I didn't like it. I didn't like it. But evil dies tonight. But evil dies tonight. Well, it didn't die. Well, I mean, we don't know. Well, there's well, the, still the same night one. going into the new one. It's still the same night. A yeah. really long night, a really long night. Cause it seemed like it was kind of close to the end of yeah. the night in the first one, but they're, they're still going. I think they're taking the 24 method. It's just that entire scene with <laughs> the entire movie was, was over an hour and 45 minutes. <laughs> right. Right. Oh my god! I just yeah, I'm I don't know, man. I I like want to be into this series, but I'm not. I'm hoping I'm hoping Halloween Kills is is better. Fingers crossed. I will I will I will say. Do you guys remember the alternative name for Michael Myers? What he's known for? The shape. The shape. And I feel like we've moved away from that concept. Like you said. Yeah. Yeah. It like like a a, a popular fan theory that I've seen is that like he's like almost like possessed by the spirit of Halloween or something. And he like relives this night every night of the year. And that's why he keeps trying to kill people because he's just like re going through it over and over again. Okay. And that's why they'd have things like Sam Hain, like written on the wall and in, in the school and the second one, that was the second one, right? Where they find that. Or is that the first one? I think that's the second one. Is this a, I think it's the second, second one. Second one was hospital, a lot of hospital stuff. That's all I second remember. Was yeah. Yeah. But like, I, I just, I just wish they'd, figure out what the fuck they want this movie to be about or this or just don't bother like don't bother explaining it all you know like either be like okay we're gonna figure out what the plot is for michael myers or we're just we've officially decided we're not gonna explain what his story is remotely and just stick to it you know it's just but yeah the shape like like why are we calling the shape you know like let's 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 keep that a little bit i don't know professional lurker the music was pretty good i was gonna say we should we should talk about john carpenter's score like Obviously, he knows how to do yeah. a score by now. <laughs> He's really good at it. He is really good at it. I mean, it, it's not even like he has to try that hard at this point. No. You know? He was like, oh, yeah, I'll do the score, whatever. <laughs> you know? But. Oh, well. But, yeah. All right. Speaking of Halloween-related movies that would have been way more topical two weeks ago, it came out in 1986, but this week we watched Trick or Treat, which is not to be confused with 2007's Trick or Treat. 
A bullied teenage boy is devastated after the death of his heavy metal idol, Sammy Kerr. But as Halloween night approaches, <laughs> I just realized how it's written in the synopsis. <laughs> As Halloween night approaches, he discovers that he may be the only one who can stop Sammy from making a satanic comeback from beyond the grave. The horror movie, which is very out of print and also known as Ragman and Death at 33 RPM in foreign markets, is the directorial debut of actor Charles Martin Smith, who went on to direct the first two Dolphin Tale movies. Uh It stars Mark Price, Tony Fields, and Doug Savant from Melrose Place, with special appearances by Gene Simmons and Ozzy Osbourne. Some trivia about Trick or Treat. The only DVD release that features Ozzy Osbourne and Gene Simmons on the cover, despite them barely appearing in the movie, and the misleading cover also disguises how cool the movie actually is. Sammy Kerr's music was provided by the band Fastway, which featured up-and-coming vocalist Dave King, who is now known as the singer of Flogging Molly. For a low-budget, under-the-radar 80s movie, it's a surprisingly good-looking movie thanks to director of photography Robert Elswit, who went on to win an Oscar for the cinematography in Let There Be Blood. He also worked on several other great movies such as Boogie Nights, Punk Drunk Love, uh, Nightcrawler, and the fourth and fifth Mission Impossible movies. And lastly, Eddie's best friend, Roger, is played by Glenn Morgan in his only acting role. He went on to write episodes of The X-Files and the movie Final Destination. So as a warning, I'm sure there will be spoilers as we discuss Trick or Treat. So if you haven't seen it yet, you may want to pause this, watch the movie. It's on YouTube and come back. Uh, otherwise, let's, let's dig right in. So Matt, Tim, Ryan, what are your favorite things about Trick or Treat? It's deliciously 80s. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Sammy Kerr is fantastic. I I know. I know. I Yeah. I mean, he, te- he's, he you should be loyal to your heroes because they can turn on <laughs> <laughs> yes what a yes but also i watched it on youtube because um it is hard to find and um it is it is ryan has the dvd right that's yeah. what i was about to add. that's that's the only print right like the only run of yeah you know, if you're DVD lucky once, you can find right? it for 3.99 at your local newberry comics <laughs> <laughs> i wonder if it's still that cheap now because it, it it's it's uh it's 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 you can find it for quite a lot of money on online so i would assume that they wouldn't uh newberry would be too you know cheap to leave it there mm. yeah matt what do you got yeah um i enjoyed it i um had a um why is it called trick-or-treat besides the fact that it just <laughs> happens to take place like the, like halloween has nothing really to do with anything i you know that's a good question i i don't know for all i know it was originally written as death at 33 rpm or that's something a cool um, that's such a better title that's a better title but it's it's takes you know there's the halloween dance and in the big song he sings at the uh, at this Halloween dance, trick or treat is a line oh, yeah, in the maybe song. Not, yeah. I don't, I, That's about it, though. Your guess yeah. is as good as mine. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's it's a it's a very misleading title for sure. I like how the true uh, combination to bring uh, a demon back is not just to play it backwards, but to spill some Pepsi on top of your <laughs> your record player. Oh, yeah, that's the missing ingredient. Is the uh, the pure sugar cane? <laughs> well, because it's a choice of a new generation. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> <laughs> I, I have a list of some favorite things and you guys can feel free to interject. Sure. As as I mentioned, I think it's visually a very appealing movie, especially for, you know, one of like in a cheap 80s horror movie. I think it looks surprisingly good. Um, I think if they ever get around to doing like a, a big like Blu-ray, uh, you know, 
remaster of it, I think the movie will be especially beautiful. Um, I the the Sammy Kerr poster that the movie opens on, I think, is so so cool looking, and his weird face whenever they show him is great. He has the weirdest face. He does really, <laughs> and and like all the shots of him, like claw, like the shot of him clawing through the speaker, and him just appearing in the in like the room. I I I love the shot of the car driving on in flames with no roof. Like that's such a good shot. Um, every single shot of Sammy during the third act is should is, <laughs> is like an iconic shot. It's it's just so every shot of him is fantastic. Another favorite thing of mine is fucking Sammy Kerr in general. Yeah, he's fucking awesome. The guy who plays him is Tony Fields. Is that who it is? Yeah. Yep. Who is like not really famous in any other way. Um, is so good in it. Like he does that like weird like somersault during the show. I love in the bat when they're showing like the news report on him. He's just like tearing a snake apart and eat, drinking its blood. <laughs> like it's it's not even like a big deal in the movie. It's just like in the background. And like when he when Sammy can reach through the TV and kill Ozzy Osbourne. Oh, that, that, so that so was my honor, that's my honorable mention. Like, well, that and when he pulls the old pulls lady, the lady through out. the TV what and fries her. powers? Yeah, I know. <laughs> Electricity, air quotes. What did the people in the studio see? Did they just see that woman, like, disappear in front of them? I hope so. <laughs> I, hope, I hope they saw a really strange um, proportioned arm reach through whatever camera was live <laughs> and just, you know... Cartoonishly, he's a, a you know warper into the lens, <laughs> right? And I, I I love at the end when he's playing, which is all amazing, and he's like literally killing people with his hot licks. Yeah. Um, oh my god, so good! Including when he blows up the drummer. Was that a Spinal Tap reference? It, I I I always wanted to be like it, it. It's it. Spinal Tap came out two years before yeah. this, so it's it's definitely possible. If there is nothing left but a little green globule on the drum stool, then maybe. <laughs> Uh, can you imagine, by the way, can you imagine if if uh, Blackie Lawless was Sammy Kerr? Because that's who they originally <laughs> wanted to be. I know. And I love Wasp. I fucking love Wasp so goddamn much. And he, the reason he didn't do it is because they already had the music figured yeah. out. But he was willing, he wanted to make all the music for this movie. If, if, if this was also a, like, Wasp movie, oh my god, <sighs> like, don't even get me started. Although I will say, I think Tony Fields did a better job than, than Blackie Lawless would have. I 100% agree with you on that. Um, that said, even though it's not Wasp, another thing I really liked was the music. I thought I thought Fastway did a good job. Um, I love the songs how, and how they occasionally work with uh, what's happening in the movie. Like when he's tear when he's after he hears that uh, that that Sammy died and he's tearing all his posters down and the songs tear down the walls. Yeah. And then when he's like getting back at the bullies the song is like time to get tough this boy's had enough (laughs) (laughs) it's so stupid i love it i also love that the movie felt pretty authentic like it it's hard to say how it felt when it came out but the movie is surprisingly uncringy like like it it does feel like the people who made the movie actually like understand and love metal typically you know when they make like people into like music scenes in movies a lot of times they fuck it up in my opinion but i felt like this movie was pretty authentic another favorite thing of mine was the parking scene <laughs> oh god like what was another that parking creature? scene which i love what was the, the creature? scene is insane <laughs> okay like the 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 
She's listening to the music. <laughs> the green mist that is apparently Sammy Kerr yep. comes out and like seduces her. No longer electricity. He's a green mist. Now. I know. All of a sudden he's green mist. And you even see the green mist turn into a hand and like pull her underwear to get ready to pull her underwear down or something. <laughs> and then all of a sudden she looks up and there's this giant, huge tongue monster out of nowhere that we never see in the movie any other time. <laughs> and then she, then her, and like her ears melt. From the music, like, I, I just, and also I'd like to point out that the, you know, was the fucking bully guy, uh, Doug Savant, was he taking a shit? He was out, supposedly just out for a pee, and a lot happened while he was gone. <laughs> yeah. So that's pretty Apparently amazing. Apparently he had to do a drop a toosie while he was peeing, but like. <laughs> I, he didn't want to tell her he wanted to, he had to poop. That's why he stopped making out with her. He's like, oh, I gotta go. And I'm, pre- I'm pretty sure that monster is supposed to be like Sammy Kerr's, uh, like, um, a mascot. You know, like, kind of like his, his version of Eddie the Head. Oh. I think, you might be right. I think that's what they're trying to do, and I feel like it was just cut for time. That'd be cool if it was introduced earlier. Well, yeah, that's what right. I mean. Like, if it was on the cover, I mean, you it, know, well, I mean, maybe one of our hundreds of listeners can let us know if, if like, it's in a cover yeah. in, in, at some point that I missed, or, or, like, on an album cover or something. It definitely wasn't on Songs in the Key of Death, you know, that was... <laughs> right. And my last favorite thing is Eddie's best friend, Roger... Except for the part when he's looking up the girl's skirt. That was a little awkward. Um, I loved his thieving outfit when he sends him to steal the tape from the car. He has, like, he, he's, like, dressed all in black, and he has, like, a, a will-knit cap to, 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 like, to pull down at over his face. At the dead of noon. Yeah, at the dead of noon. <laughs> um, I love that when he's, like, when he's, like, listening to the tape or whatever, he's making a chocolate peanut butter milkshake in a blender. <laughs> um, and then after... <laughs> And then after Sammy pulls the old lady out of the TV, it shows Roger vacuuming up the charred body, <laughs> which I, I I totally didn't notice the first time I watched the movie. He's literally vacuuming up a body, which is fucking fantastic. And then I love that he has a nice heroic sacrifice, but then lives anyway. Oh, sure. Fucking Roger. What a guy. <laughs> uh, any honorable mentions? About a trick. I almost said Halloween kills. About trick or treat. I mean, yeah, you you, uh, just the dimension of just him killing people through TVs. (laughs) (laughs) I know it's so good. Like his 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 ambiguous powers that make no sense. I guess it's metal. The shooting, Uh, the like pew pew pews coming out of the guitar were very funny. Oh, I know. (laughs) Fucking love it. I, I like that Gene Simmons kind of looked like Billy Crystal's cousin in the movie. <laughs> I forgot how weird he looks, like, not in makeup. You, like, only a... see him in makeup. He somehow looks less <laughs> weird in makeup. Yeah. Yeah, there's a reason why Kiss is all in makeup, though. It's, it's why they they plummeted <laughs> from popularity when they took off the makeup. <laughs> <laughs> I know. One thing I liked about the incredibly uh, debaucherous high school pool party is that the bathing suits involved were amazing and would be totally in fashion again right now. <laughs> yeah. That's one thing that really struck me. Time's a flat circle. And and the, the fact that they put a fucking weight in his backpack. I know. Like they were going to kill him. <laughs> right. Like, <laughs> like these gonna... bullies nearly killed the kid. <laughs> Like that was crazy. Um, I love the escalation of his his revenge. Like first off, like he just messes with their lunch, <laughs> and then uh, <laughs> and then after that, just as soon as like he gets into the record playing, he starts being influenced by Sammy Kerr. Just gets ten times worse. I know. Like there's that scene in the wood shop. It really seems like he that 
Doug Savant is about to die. Like, I, I right. actually thought he was going to get killed. That was pretty crazy. I, I also loved how uh, Eddie has this, like, super metal room and all this edgy stuff around him. And then in the background, he has word Yahtzee. Yeah. <laughs> um, I liked how, I was like, oh, good for you, Eddie. He's a, he's a fully fleshed out three-dimensional human being. Yeah. I, I, I actually really liked Eddie a lot. I thought he was really well cast as well. He seemed like a legitimate, like, awkward metal kid. Um, I thought he was great. Um, I, I liked how Eddie's mom, like, fully dressed up to get physical at home. <laughs> when she's, like, working out in front of the TV, mm-hmm. she has leg warmers and everything. Like, no one's there to see her, but she, like, totally decked herself out just to work out in her in her room. I thought that was pretty crazy. That was pretty cool. I, I kind of love the scene when she goes up to his room and he's not there and she, like, the, like, stereo goes <laughs> on and... That was such yeah. a like, such an eighties like, ooh, ooh, it's rock and roll, you know, like, like, <laughs> you know. God damn that rock and yeah, roll! So Someone cool. called Tipper Gore. Yeah, I know, <laughs> I know. And I, 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 I love how like Eddie like loves his mom. Like he has all these parts where he's just like kind of like, oh, thanks, mom. Blah blah. <laughs> like, hey, mom. Some of the I like some of the Halloween costumes. Like I think the mom was supposed to be Madonna. And her boyfriend was Rambo. Yeah, that Rambo costume was dope on him. There was a kid at the uh, Halloween party who was pregnant, I believe. And then there was Humpty Dumpty on the wall, Mm -hmm. who then got blown up by Sammy Kerr, (laughs) which I thought was pretty cool. He had it coming. You go to a party with Humpty Dumpty. (laughs) I I loved when uh, Eddie's home trying to give out uh, uh, Halloween candy. And he like tries to put on old fashioned music to read and read the funnies, and he's like, "Death is preferable to this shit." And then the kid comes to the to the door, and he says, "Come back tomorrow." <laughs> As you do. And then he just gives her all the candy, and she's still out there even after he said, "Come back tomorrow," and slammed the door on her. She stays out there, which is amazing. And when the when the guitarist blows up after Sammy like pull, you know reaches out of the out of the amp, someone yells, "Rock and roll!" Yeah. And the band is pretty cool with this guy blowing up and Sammy just appearing out of nowhere. They're just like, yeah, man, we'll just like, we'll just play along. And and some like small things I liked is the radio, the radio station security guard falling asleep reading Hustler, which was like one of the most 80 things I've ever seen. The movie playing in town is Lunch of the Dead. Yep, Lunch of the Dead. When when they figure out water hurts uh, Sammy and 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 his hands in the toilet, and then Leslie flushes the toilet, and that's like enough suction to pull him down more and trap him. <laughs> oh, well, again, he's only allergic to water when he's not mist. <laughs> right, and the, we never see the mist thing again. No, never. Uh, <laughs> that's good foreshadowing. That's just good writing. I know. That's <laughs> just good writing. Do you guys have anything you disliked about... Uh, about Trick or Treat or questions about the movie? Gene Simmons. Uh, the half-assed <laughs> attempt to make uh, Ozzy Osbourne look like a preacher. I know. <laughs> Speaking of always looking weird, like you can't even make him not look like Ozzy Osbourne. I know. Well, appa- apparently uh, all of his dialogue was ad-libbed. Really? By him. Good for him. And he uh, uh, supposedly there's 45 minutes worth of him just riffing. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> no, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I was wondering, a couple things I was wondering about watching this movie. Eddie has hamsters, and those long tubes, Yeah, is that, like, still a thing that people do with hamsters, or is that wicked, just, like, an 80s thing? The habit trails? Yeah. Because I remember that from when I was a kid. I'm just wondering if it's still a thing. I assume it is. I assume the habit trails are a big thing because it's, 
Oh yeah, there is. Oh my god. They're highly advanced now, Alex. <laughs> oh my god! Okay, I, I I I withdraw my question. Um, I liked so like what are as we said, Sammy's powers are so confusing. Like it it makes sense for him to be able to come through radios or right. whatever or TVs, but at, it seems at points like he can come through anything with like that electricity. Like if Eddie destroys his blender and toaster right. at one point, just in case Sammy can come yeah. through them. Even things battery powered, like we're in the headphones, just like battery powered headphones and like in the car. Right. <laughs> Not even hooked up to anything. Anything with electricity of any variety. Well, as we all know from ghost hunting, uh, spirits draw upon the electromagnetic energies around <laughs> us and will sometimes drain our devices to uh, to manifest themselves in any numerous amount of ways. <laughs> well, I, I guess there you go. There's the answer. <laughs> it's science. <laughs> I also, I didn't understand the architecture of Eddie's house. You come into yeah. his room from the side, and his whole room has an arched ceiling, but there's only one arched ceiling that I saw outside their house. Yep. It's okay. That's how metal he is. I guess so. That was also magic. Also, yeah. <laughs> that, that that just confused me. And I also thought it was funny that, like, when, you, when he first visits Gene Simmons' character at the radio station, it definitely seems like that radio station is just, like, downtown. But then later we find out it's in the middle of nowhere. It's confusing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it was a great location, though. I really liked the location for the radio station outside. So, Ryan, I, I know you've listened to some of the episodes. Mm. Um, I don't know if you, how, how consistent I'm not aware of a breaky. So, um, we do this thing called the breakies, which is uh, when you give any random articles of clothing and trick-or-treat a breaky award in honor of the windbreakers in Neil Blomkamp, <laughs> Blomkamp movie uh, Demonic. So, Matt, so Matt, you say you got a breaky? Um, I mean, I suppose. I don't know if it's technically a breaky, but I I couldn't help but notice um, Sammy Kerr's coke nail on uh, when he was um, <laughs> trying to bust through the police thing in the back. <laughs> yeah, I did not notice that, but now that I think oh about goodness, it, I remember need, seeing it. It's intense. <laughs> it's on his pink. It's his pinky. I right? think it's his yeah. pinky. <laughs> oh my god. I I want I I give all of Sa- Sammy Kerr a breaky yeah, like his I hair mean, really um his entire outfit like he was a walking breaky that that like entire movie I would also give his pink strat a, a, a breaky even though it was the other guy's guitar technically I'll I'll give that a breaky for sure this movie was full of breakies this was a very fashionable like movie for the eighties it was I give one to Gene Simmons' hat that he brought from home. <laughs> That hat was pretty ridiculous. Yep. I, I also loved Eddie's, like, really edgy outfit that he wears to school right before he starts getting scared of Sammy's plan. He's like, it's like, it's like, like, there's just, like, straps everywhere, yeah. and he's got, like, a headband and everything. It, it's it's really ridiculous. Yeah, everything, um, like you said, there's breakies abound in this. Oh, I, I know breakies, this movie is, like... Breakies a poppin'. Yeah, this is a big time breaky movie. And my pick is the you know that Rambo costume is just sick as hell on that guy. <laughs> Freaking love it. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, it's full of breakies. This movie. All right. Well, uh, finally, would you recommend Trick or Treat, Ryan? Would you want to go? You want to go first? Uh, I would not only recommend Trick or Treat. I would recommend the entire genre of eighties hair metal, slightly horror movies. Like Black oh, yeah. Roses, Shock 'em Dead, 
Rock and yeah. Roll Nightmare. No, I feel don't like... you dare recommend Doc <laughs> Yes. I must mention John Thor at least once. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, hold you on. Know, I... We have to diverge this real quick. I'm sorry. <laughs> have you seen the sequel, Ragai? I have not seen the sequel. Oh my God, it's a billion times worse. <laughs> you know, it's it's funny. I have a huge soft spot for like horror metal movies, but... This is the only one I really like. I, I, I've only seen parts of like Black Roses, Shock 'em Dead, uh, Rock and Roll Nightmare, and, and I, I've not been blown away by any of them, but I, I, when I finally, so I was, it took me forever to see Trick or Treat, and when I finally saw it, I was like, hell yeah. Like this, this is by far my favorite of that genre. But I think it's like, that's why one of my big comic ideas is in this world, because I think it's, it's such a, furtive you know it's such a fertile like like environment that i feel like has been wildly unexplored in a lot of ways uh agreed with you 100 percent on that there is a movie i'm trying to remember the name of came out in uh in the 2000 teens metal orgasm what no 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 um deathgasm yes, yes. deathgasm is yeah. I, I would i mean that might be a spiritual uh yeah you know, I, I thought that was pretty good and it has a great a fantastic end credit song by yes. um uh uh well, I can't remember the name of the band. Oh my god, Skullfest. Skullfest. <laughs> the the end credit song in that movie is is so good. Um but yeah, Deathgasm was good. And and yeah, it's like it it's it's such a rich because the the, the especially in the 80s like the link between metal and horror was so big that mm. I'm like shocked it wasn't like a bigger subgenre. But yeah, your good recommendation, Ryan. People should research this subgenre more. Yeah, look at your local YouTube. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, go, go to your YouTube local YouTube. YouTube. <laughs> you, yeah, you'll find it. Just watch this movie any way you can. Yeah, yeah, I absolutely. Yeah, recommend it. Tim, you'd recommend it absolutely. As well. Were you glad that I picked it for this so that you 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 could finally be subjected to this gloriousness? Yes, absolutely. Thank you so much. You're welcome. <laughs> what about you, Matt? Yes, definitely. <laughs> I enjoyed it. All right. Yeah, I, I'd I'd recommend it as well. You know, it's it's if you like horror and '80s metal, it's it's like right up there for sure. I wish it was a little gorier. I'll say that, but that aside, who needs gore when you've got style? That's true. <laughs> That's true. It is it is high on style for sure. I will quickly mention that I watched Scream Two recently, um, and some things that I which I love, but um, some things that I noticed this watch watch around. They completely gloss over how Dewey's sister was killed in the first movie. Like, it's, like, never brought up again that that Ghostface killed his sister, which is kind of odd. I always forget about it myself, that that, that Rose McGowan's character was his sister. Um, also, in the sequel, they're in Ohio, which they don't make a big deal of. So, Rand- did Randy follow her all the way to Ohio because he loved her? Because that was, like, a kind of a weird little subplot that... that Brandy was like in love with Sydney Prescott. Where's Lakewood in the regular continuity? California. Oh, it's in California. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So, but and they don't like outright say they're in Ohio, but it's it's like on things and like if you look it up on like the Scream Wiki or whatever the like dot fandom whatever the fuck they do confirm that it is set in Ohio. Huh. Which is which is weird. And the the whole thing with Dewey's weird hand was such a mistake. Like, like it's not like we wouldn't believe that he survived the first movie if he didn't have a weird limp and an odd, like, unmoving arm. And and you could tell that they were like, this was a bad idea. So they just, like, got rid of it after that. And, like, and, like it were probably, like, halfway through the movie before they realized that it was a bad idea. Classic. <laughs> and, um, and I just want to point out, like, how 
brutal it is that the whole movie is setting up her not trusting her boyfriend only for him to get killed. Like, <laughs> that just, is brutal. What a twist. It's so fucking brutal. Like, ugh. Fucking Sidney Prescott, she's the best. <laughs> I have something uh, I want to confess. I don't think you're going to like it. I am Caster Troy. Oh, the sound of John Travolta saying one of his great lines from Face Off means we are out of time. We'll be back next Monday with a new episode, assuming Sammy Kerr doesn't reach through our computers and kill us before then. If you have any questions for me, Matt, or Tim, we don't have a dedicated email or Twitter yet, but you can reach out to me on Twitter at Alex Harris Comics, all one word, comics with an X. If you like this podcast or any of the other great podcasts, articles, or features on AIBT, you can help support the site and the people who work on it by signing up for our Patreon at patreon.com slash AIBTcomics. Ryan, thank you for being our first podcast guest. Uh, I, I hope we didn't slow down your recoveries too much. Oh, no, it helped ease the pain. <laughs> Good. Good. Um, we we leave you with a Fastway song from the excellent Trick or Treat soundtrack. Uh, just don't play this podcast backwards. Thanks for listening, and don't forget, it's okay to love movies. They may not be able to love you back, but they will always be there for you. Bye. <laughs> Wilson. Rock and roll. There you go. Nice. <laughs> That's perfect. Je suis